When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, it's the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie May. This is the Grief Survival Guide Part 3, I believe it is. And this part is uh, all about sadness and shopping. And a few ways to use your senses to deal with the experience of grief. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to all my fans who've subscribed to my YouTube page. I'm almost at 10,000 subs. Thank you so much. If you're not subscribed yet to my YouTube page, get over there. What are you waiting for, you silly cracker? YouTube.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso. Subscribe to my podcast so you can watch... Uh, subscribe to my YouTube page so you can watch the podcast. You're listening to the podcast now, but if you want to watch it, it's available on YouTube. Also, if you want exclusive videos and join my fan club, you can do that at patreon.com. <laughs> patreon.com. I should just start this whole thing over, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Join my fan club at patreon.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso to get exclusive videos. I'm going to be posting a bunch this week now that I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm going to post some fun stuff. Also, a new BAM should be up soon. Bong and Movie, which is my movie companion show that is on YouTube where I rip a bong and I watch a classic. Also, there are a bunch of fun gifts for your loved ones for the holidays on my store. Get some swag. Get some Jessie Mae merch. Go to jessiemaycom forward slash store. We've got hoodies, beanies, candles, my butthole candles back in stock. We've got, um, what else? Uh, there's a whole bunch of shit. Hats, shirts, t-shirts, tank tops, which really don't apply unless you live in a nice weather a nice atmosphere right now, unless you're living in like, I don't know, Acapulco, you can get yourself a tank top. But in the meantime, for the rest of us shivering our clits off, you can get a hoodie, beanie, jessiemay.com forward slash store or just jessiemay.com and you can go down to the store on the main page. Thank you for your support ahead of time. I appreciate you. 
I hope you guys are getting through these holiday seasons, this holiday season, uh, a little bit easier than I am. Hopefully you're getting through life a little bit easier than I am from this intro. I'm obviously having a hard time with my mouth, which is a reoccurring issue, but more more so now. <laughs> I just smoked a blunt and I probably should have done the intro first, but you know what? You live and you learn. And speaking of living and learning, this episode is all about learning how to experience grief. This is the Grief Survival Guide, Part 3, Sadness and Shopping. And I hope you enjoy it. I truly, truly do. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's gonna get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ran about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're gonna get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey, everybody. We are here. I'm an orphan. I didn't realize that fun wasn't on the 2020 menu, but or fun is. <laughs> I'm already laughing at myself. <laughs> You gotta admit, that's pretty good. Fun isn't on the menu, but orphan is. And I am an orphan. My sister and I are both orphans now. It's super strange. It's a weird existence when the people who created you are no longer with you. Well, that point can be argued, of course. Physically, no longer with you. Although... I swear I sometimes smell my mom's farts and they're very distinguishable. And I've spoke about this before on Girl Code years ago. We had a segment about farts and my mom's farts were very quiet. And I, 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 she's not rolling over in her grave because she was cremated. So she's fluffing in the wind right now. Whatever that equivalent is when they're cremated. She can't roll over in her grave because she's not a you know, in the grave. She's just dust in the wind. Literally, she's doing that part. She's fluttering, if you will, like snowflakes, angry snowflakes everywhere about me talking about her farts. I, I spoke about it before. Her, her farts only a couple times. Okay, mom, only a couple times did I ever know this woman farted and heard them audibly, but it wasn't even like a loud enough. It it wasn't like mine, which sound like a, you know, a truck smashing through the woods (laughs) hers sound and I described it on girl code it sounds like the crypt door opening and souls escaping from her butthole and smells the same the sound and smell is akin to a crypt door opening in an ancient church in Rome the Vatican and the crypt doors they just one not two she doesn't have two buttholes just one door opens and it goes that was Nancy's farts. That was Nancy's farts. I don't know um, how we got here so fast. (laughs) 
oh me me thinking about the strange notion of being an orphan it's it's not fun it is the most humbling experience i have ever gone through in my life and i am not sure what to do i i literally am going day by day and one of my friends i was on the phone talking about my mom last night and i said you know i'm i'm not in my normal routine of what i do when i feel so lost and and she said well you know if you broke your ankle you wouldn't go hiking so and it it made such a it made it, it brought such clarity to me being stressed about not having my regular routine because i am hurt i'm emotionally hurt which can manifest itself physically but i'm emotionally hurt so obviously my normal routine is going to be a little bit different because I'm experiencing different emotions. So I have to go about it an alternate way. I can't do everything I was doing in LA on a daily basis because it doesn't fit who I am right now. And I don't know who I am right now because I'm going through such a transitional, transformative time. And I think that's important to remember. If you're somebody out there who's experiencing grief, whatever type of grief, you have to be easy on yourself. You have to give yourself space and understanding in order to process what's going on. You have to allow yourself time to break down a bit. That's what's going on. I I am not the same person. I can feel, I feel like a kid. I, I, I feel like a child. I feel like I'm like a kid in a department store. Like, where the fuck are my parents? Why aren't they worried that I'm not with them right now? And that's totally normal. Whatever you're experiencing is totally normal. And by the way, we talked about intermittent experiences and emotions along the Kubler-Ross grief model which let's see, you guys know I can never remember it. Maybe because it's so fucking painful, my brain that normally retains a lot of information is like, well, we don't need to know what the five stages of grief are. Denial, shock and denial. <laughs> Look, I have a broken nail. I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't remember. Let me, let me default to a little attention deficit. My nail broke. Okay. Shock and denial. Um, anger. I don't know if that comes next. Bargaining depression, and acceptance. I got it. But we we know that's just a model. It's not set in stone. And we talked about the, you know, intermittent emotions that can exist in between. Well, I'm experiencing a a deep sadness. Very, very sad. And that can fall under the depression model, I suppose. But man, whoo, sadness. Ooh, that shit is heavy. That shit is heavy. Sadness is a hard one. Because your posture when you're sad, you're not like this. You're not up with your chin to the sky. This is a happy, hopeful posture. When you're looking up and you open up your vocal cords and your your chakras and your shoulders and you're like, "I, I love life. Sadness is down here. Sadness is like osteoporosis. Sadness pulls you to the earth. And... One great remedy for sadness that I've discovered is shopping. 
oh, you're welcome, Amazon. And I realize I shouldn't be going to Amazon. I also have done a bunch of Etsy shopping. I'm trying to promote small businesses during this very tumultuous time in our economy where 30% of small businesses won't recoup after this terrible pandemic. So I'm being conscious of that and cognitive that people with small businesses are struggling. So I am putting my dollars in small businesses, but holy hell, if Amazon doesn't, you know, if Jeff Bezos doesn't thank me for the six ski and snowmobiles and guest house that he's able to build from my cart alone, I'm going to be pissed. If I don't at least get a personalized Christmas card from Jeff Bezos, I'm going to go shit on his lawn and put like a little, you know, Christmas ornament on it. Just like a little Santa hat, a little, little pile of shit with a Santa hat on it. Rude. Rude. I'm sure a lot of you out there can agree. You know, Amazon is is profiting off of my sadness. And I want a fucking Christmas card. <laughs> uh, so I, I decided to show you some of the shit that I purchased. And if you want to watch it, you can go to my YouTube page, which I already told you about in the beginning of this podcast episode. But you can listen to the paper. Uh, ASMR. Uh, Auto sensory meridian response. Yeah, got that. Can't remember the five stages of grief. Whatevs, whatevs. So one of the first things that I purchased, um, per the recommendation of my amazing makeup artist, Nia Joy, shout out to Nia Hicks, aka Nia Joy, was a pair of Doc Martens that I, you know, I, I had Doc Martens as a kid and she was like, you need to like, you know, step it up. So I literally stepped it up with some Doc Martens. Like, cause she thinks, you know, basically I dress like a slob. Nia would never say that about me, but I dress like a slob. You know, I, sometimes I have cute style, but for the most part, I'm not dressing like the way I feel these days. So I thought that these shoes were a reminder of who the bitch inside and and whoever I'm going to be on the other side of this grief, she's going to step in these fucking boots. Okay. These boots are made for kicking ass, not for walking. No one's walking in these boots. I'm going to be stomping in these motherfuckers. Very cute Doc Martens. I forget the brand name. It's Camilla. The Camilla boots. They're huge. I don't need them. They were $1,000. I mean, they weren't $1,000, but they might as well have been. So I got those. I also purchased a leopard print huge sweater. I don't know what took me so long to get one of these. This was at Hafner's Red Barn in Syracuse, New York, which is a great Christmas shop. If you ever come to Syracuse, they have all these wreaths and leopard print shawls. I spent like $200 in the store with shit I didn't need, but I figured my mom and I, we'd always buy sweaters and we'd always joke about her sweater being my sweater and my sweater being her sweater. I would I would walk in the house and she'd have a sweater on and I'd go, is that my sweater? <laughs> that was just our thing. So I bought a sweater. I also found this really cute small business store in Syracuse, New York. This is, none of these people are paying me, okay? So this is me being completely generous on this podcast. This store called uh, Scholars and Champs or Champs and Scholars. It's in downtown Syracuse, which is starting to, you know, look less like a meth meeting point and more like a social gathering, distanced, of course. And they have just these really cute, like, weird like fun some some artist created t-shirts this one's dim deck i don't know who the hell dim deck is dim mac <laughs> dim deck give a dog a bone dim mac it says dim mac worldwide fit to party made in the usa you're welcome 
Another one is made by one of the artists who sells her shirts at uh, Scholar and Champs. A little ice cube tie-dye in your life. I also got an empire uh, upstate upstate of mind. You know, because I'm from upstate New York. Go to Scholars and Champs. Really cute sweatshirts. And then for some fucking reason, I thought, oh, I'm going to start looking at birds in nature because I love to go on hikes. You guys know I love another great remedy for sadness besides spending all of your money on Amazon is hiking. But first, the most important ingredient of the hike is to get high. So it's a hike. I bought fucking binoculars. Who do I think I am? What am I? Jane Goodall? What am I going to be? What? Who? What am I going to be searching for? In, in the woods. I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to be searching for something. And it's going to be my new... Whoever I become. I'll tell you that much. These are actually really, really strong. I bought them for like, I don't know, 40 bucks on the Amazon. They're actually really powerful. And you can see inside of a tree's soul. So that's all that is available to you at the click of a button on Amazon. And at the spark of a joint. You can see inside of a tree's soul. And then my dear friend Erin, who also lost her mom, shout out to everybody in the Dead Moms Club and the Dead Dads Club, DDC for life. This bitch goes, I want to climb Mount Everest. And it's a very Cheryl Strayed wild moment where, and that's a very deep cut of a reference. If you haven't heard of Cheryl Strayed, you've been sleeping under a rock or crying under a rock, whichever it is. She wrote a great book called Wild and Reese Witherspoon optioned it and turned it into a movie years ago. Read the book, watch the movie, especially if you've experienced loss, to cry those, to dive into those grief tears. My friend Aaron's like, let's hike Mount Everest. I'm like, bitch, let's just drink, let's just drink a bottle of wine first. Like, let's go through like the basic grief steps before we like hike so far that we die of starvation and hypothermia. Like, can I just have alcoholism before I get to the hypothermia? That's just where I'm at. But then... I found this random magazine that had Mount Everest on it. Plus, I've got my Jane Goodall goggles. So then I went on. (laughs) I'm telling you guys, shopping is so good for sadness. (laughs) Then I went on the website and found a good steal of a deal for some really ugly, you have to try my hummus hiking boots. I mean... I went, I got Merrill's, you guys. <laughs> these are, sorry, Merrill, but these are brutal. They're actually not that bad. These boots say, did you check out to the Times crossword this morning? These boots say, "I is there gluten in that? These boots are amazing. Uh, so apparently I'm going to need something really big for from you guys for Christmas and that's going to be a search party to find my and my friend Aaron's body near the base camp of Mount Everest she's like just to the base camp I'm like that's still like 37,000 miles I don't know how far it is but it's way too far for two girls whose only cardiovascular um intake was from dancing to Sean Paul for three years in the early 2000s in high heels. You know, I take it back. We might be physically fit enough to handle Mount Everest. The amount of walking we did in high heels drunk and still made it home, I take it back. I think I'm perfectly fit for the trip. 
but highly recommend shopping if you're experiencing sadness. My sister's been buying, I mean, talk about me. Amazon deserves, my sister definitely deserves like a whole house from Jeff Bezos. Every day there's like 14 packages at the door. My sister and I are just like, we're just avoiding our grief emotions in the form of placemats. She's buying placemats. That's how bad it's gotten. And blamed it on me. She bought a placemat with, you know, a beach scene and Santa was like on a beach. And I was like, what, do you really need these? You live in upstate New York. She's like, I just want you. Oh, I got them for you because I, I, I didn't want you to feel bad missing LA. I'm like, is this really, you're putting your grief on me now? And I was like, thank you. I will take those placemats. And now I'm going to need to go on Amazon and buy the matching napkins. Look what you've done to us. <laughs> it's been, it's been interesting. I went into my mom's house for the first time after Thanksgiving and it it was surreal. That's a tough one. If you lose a parent and you have to go into their house, you don't have to, but every time I'd come home in Syracuse, I wouldn't stay with my sister. I rarely stayed with my sister. I would always stay with my mom in my childhood bedroom and this is the longest stretch of time since the beginning of the year that I haven't gone to my mom's house. It's just, it feels unnatural. It's such a shift in my normal routine being here that it takes, it's, 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 it's definitely, it takes an effort to get used to. And I missed her. Even though she was gone, even though she's been passed since November 13th, I miss her and I've missed her for so long. I haven't seen her as herself prior to her being sick since before this year. So it was really difficult. I I, I just wanted to be near her and everything in her house has her touch on it. Every little thing from the picture frames on the wall to her glass menagerie of precious moments. If you don't know what those are, you aren't a kid of the 80s. My mom has every precious moments ever made, ever. So if anyone out there is looking for a collection, I've got one for you. To her plants, to her knickknacks, all the tchotchkes. My mom was a tchotchke queen. And my sister and I have the tchotchke illness too, but we've definitely downsized our tchotchkiness. Mama Nance, no pants Nance, lived for a tchotchke. And the whole house is her. You know, and it's so weird the things that you notice in times like this in grief. Sounds and smells and even things you see. There's so much more prevalent. I remember opening the door to my house that I've done a thousand times over and thought nothing of it. And hearing the sound of the metal coil that closes the door sounded like so much louder. I noticed it so much more. It it sounded like a feeling I did smoke a little bit of weed before this episode, but you guys knew that. And stepping onto the porch, the feeling was so many different things. 
loneliness, loss, love, um, fear, a longing. And I remember just looking around the porch and starting to panic, you know, because this is the first time I'm walking into the house that my mom raised me in without her. And I started to panic a little looking for her and all of her stuff, just trying to see her and her things and started to have a panic attack. And then I said to myself, well, now I can finally make this place the way I've always wanted to. And I laughed because every time I would come home, I would drive my mom nuts moving shit around. I have like some sort of (laughs) anal retentive illness when it comes to decor. I'm constantly shifting things around. And every time I would come home, I would drive my mom nuts moving her shit around. She'd be like, will you just leave that? So it made me laugh in that moment to like honestly think, well, now I can do it without her bitching at me. (laughs) But I could still hear her, you know, bitch at me when I eventually went into the house. And I went in. And I went right to her kitchen because that's where so much of the congregating happened. I think that's what happens in a lot of homes. Obviously, the food is there. We got to chill near the snacks. It's it's a place of congregation. There's there's alcohol, there's food, there's music. And it's just such a great place to hang. And my mom was always in the kitchen. And she had and always had her stuff. Like She kind of treated her kitchen table like a desk. But she was very neat, but in a messy way. She was organized, but kind of messy, but neat. It's very hard to explain. Like, it was chaotically organized, kind of like me. But she always had all of her papers right there, just notes and Netflix shows she wants to watch, recipes, quotes that she found from reading, crossword puzzles and clippings from newspapers. She always had a little pile, and it was gone. Now, my mother's boyfriend is still living there, who was my stepdad from years ago. I've known him since I was like four years old. My mom and him, you know, he's Steve. He's a neighbor's dad. You guys know if you've listened to this podcast, my mom moved the neighbor's dad and it was Steve. Steve lived with my mom for 15 years or so and they got divorced and recently reconnected in the past coming years, past two years, which has been, it was a blessing for her to have reconnected with him. And so he's been living there and her papers are gone and I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because this is the first time I'm seeing her house And a place of it, not as she left it. And it was just a reminder that she's fucking gone. And I got pissed. I threw a tissue box. (laughs) Because I I couldn't really destroy something. Because my mom would be fucking pissed. And I was so angry. I wanted to, I wanted to thrash the place. I truly did. I felt this like visceral anger boil in me and I wanted to fucking destroy the place but I ended up just choosing a tissue box so I wouldn't piss Nance no pants Nance off from the from the dusty grave I threw the tissue box and I I just screamed and I panicked and I cried and I felt that like that grief cry that only happens when you've lost something you've truly loved. It sounds animalistic. I used to have this joke about wailing like a woman who lost her child. It's that. 
it's the core of that loss. It's so real. It's so visceral. It's pain personified in a physical uh, sensation. It's just visceral pain at your very core. And you scream like a woodland beast from a fairy tale. <laughs> you sound like a centaur who just got castrated. It's, it's a real fucking unique feeling and sound. And I had to call my sister. I lasted about three minutes in that house alone. I showed up with all this gusto and like, oh, I got this. I'm a strong bitch. Broke down on the porch. Couldn't handle the kitchen. And I had to call my sister and I FaceTimed her. And, you know, she was calm. I was a mess. And just sort of went through the house. I didn't want to touch too much. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this where you go into the house of a loved one who you've, who you've lost. You don't want to touch anything. You want to retain the way they left it as a way to connect with them, as a way to just imagine they're still there, as a way to feel their presence, is to see how they left it. And I didn't really want to touch too much, especially for my sister's sake, where I knew she was eventually going to come to the house. And I wanted her to also experience that. I think it's an, a healthy part of grieving is to grieve the visualization of their personal belongings as they left them because especially for me I didn't get to be with my mother physically when she passed I only was able to do it through an iPad so any sort of connection to her physical touch I feel is a healthy thing to experience in order to get through the grieving process and I didn't touch too much the one thing that I wanted was her jewelry there's something about a a mother's jewelry. It like it it like retains a piece of their soul, especially cuz my mother wore consistently a few different pieces. So it's like you see the ring, you you immediately think of your mom. Like I, my mom had such beautiful jewelry and I was always looking at her hands. We were always together and seeing the ring on my hand is such a strange feeling and I can hear her being like, put my fucking jewelry down. <laughs> I always used to point to this one ring like, this is going to be mine when you're gone. <laughs> and and now it is. You know, it's such a strange but beautiful crossroads that I'm really at where before I was joking about her favorite jewelry and my favorite jewelry of hers being mine and now it's on my hand and it would never be on my hand before she would never fucking let me wear it (laughs) but now it's there and that's what's left when you're gone memories in people's hearts if you're lucky and stuff And stuff can become a burden. You know, luckily my sister and I get along and have an understanding, but people's belongings can become a fucking burden. Like, if somebody has a lot of stuff, people can fight over everything. You know, my dad had like two broken fishing poles in debt. Simple, you know. 
Although that fucking plant, you guys remember that plant that I fucking missed? That snake plant that I left in his house, which has come back to me. I think I told you how my friend Chris put a small snake plant in a red pot and I lost lost it, just completely sobbed like a baby. Well, recently my cousin Jimmy wanted to get me a plant with his family, with his with my aunt and my other cousins as a, you know, condolence gift. That's the thing. Like people give flowers. They're they're dead in a week. Thanks for the reminder that somebody died. At least a plant you can work with a little bit. Thank you to everybody who sent me flowers. I'm just saying all of it is a fucking mess. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you send. The person grieving will find some way to find it annoying because it will remind them of something of the person they lost. But my cousin Jimmy gave me the, he gave me this plant and it was a snake plant. Almost the same size as the one that I left at my dad's house. So things come back to you. The stuff that you miss, will f- the important stuff will find its way back to you. But the one thing I will say, if you're losing somebody, if somebody's sick, or even if they're not, if your grandparents are still with you, if your parents are still with you, even your children, I suggest talking to them as much as possible and recording and journaling things that they say that stand out to you. Because those are the things that you're going to think about down the road that you're going to kill yourself trying to remember. And documenting as much as you can now I promise you, you won't regret. Just take the few times out, few minutes out of the day to remember the few times that stuck in your mind and you'll have it to look back on when they're gone. And we never know when somebody's going to pass. It's not like this lifespan is guaranteed and when you're 99, you go peacefully in your sleep. No, sometimes fucking people get murdered and kids get hit by cars and people get abducted, like white bitches on vacation. And it's just a brutal tearing away of love that you'll never get back and having small reprieves are the things that will save you down the line. So when my mom was sick in the hospital, I asked her her favorite things. I just wanted to know her favorite things. And this is when she was with it a little bit, but still had a little bit of ICU psychosis, which can happen. There's ICU delirium that sets in sometimes like just within a couple days in people when they're just getting medication and they see the same lighting and they aren't getting natural sunlight and their injuries and dealing with their vitals going up and down. They can experience a natural ICU delirium. So my mom was experiencing a little bit of that. And I decided to take a minute and document some of her favorite things. So here are a few of my mother's favorite things. Bacon, Clint Eastwood, Shirley MacLaine, steaks and, steak and potatoes. Her favorite flower is Lily of the Valley, which I didn't know. Her favorite month is July because it's nice and warm. Her favorite dessert was French vanilla ice cream with chocolate cake. She loves opals, dogs, Syracuse peanuts, the color purple, the smell of patchouli, the taste of wine. Hello. Thorn birds is one of her favorite book. Pineapples, her favorite fruit. Never really saw her eat pineapple. That could have been an ICU delirium input. Her favorite store was Kaufman's. 
That is so upstate New York. Do you guys remember Kaufman's department store? She had like a credit card that she rang up thousands of dollars. I think my dad paid it off when they got divorced. Her favorite subject was math. That was shocking to me. I didn't know that about her, that she liked math, which kind of makes sense because she was so anal. And I think anal people are, everything's kind of calculated. Even though I'm anal, I'm terrible at math. So I definitely didn't inherit that trait. But I recommend talking to your loved ones while you still have them and documenting stuff like this. Record conversations. I'm lucky because I've had both of my parents on the podcast, but you can just as easily record them on your phone. Ask them things about their childhood and things that they loved growing up and maybe the hardest things that they experienced or things that they're proud of. It the can the more connected you are to them, the more connected you will get to yourself. And the other thing I will say for women out there, and this could go for men too, my mother always wore the same perfume. If you guys hear noise in the background, it's because there's cleaning ladies cleaning my sister's house. So I appreciate your patience while this Sharp Tongue Podcast studio constantly fluctuates. <laughs> my mom wore the same perfume every day. Nina Ricci, Le Air du Ton. She would love. I think she just got it because she loved to say it like that. Oh, I wear Nina Ricci la de ton. The air of time, I believe, is a translation, and it's such a mom smell. She, when she was alive, gave me a little sample of it, and it smells like her, man. And if you have a mom or a dad who wear consistent perfume or colognes, my niece and nephew are knocking on the door now. Guys, I'm sorry to mean to yell in your ear. Guys, I'm I'm working. When I'm done, we can play. I'm recording, so when I'm done, we can play, but I got to finish this. They're really sad. I'm such a cool aunt, even though I just smoked weed in the guest room. It's fine. It makes me such a better aunt, and I highly recommend if you're going through grief and you have children, eat edibles. Start with a microdose. You'll have so much more fun, and if you need a moment, ask your spouse if you're lucky and fortunate enough to have one. That you, tell them you need a fucking break. But back to the regularly scheduled program. Oh, fuck. The perfume smell is one of the strongest scents linked to memory. And I literally, when I smell this, I can just smell her standing over my shoulder telling me to put her fucking rings back. It's, it's such a hard thing to do to smell the person that you love who's gone. But I'm telling you, it's just the little things that you don't think of that I'm fortunate enough to share with you so that you're covered. Not that you're not going to spend three, $400 in a day on Amazon and, and scholars and champs and fucking binoculars. I can't guarantee that. But like I said, like we've talked about on this grief survival guide, there's no right or wrong. Okay. Sure. In the beginning, I'm like, yeah, stretch, do yoga, pray, Eat a, eat a pineapple. Now I'm like day drinking and shopping. It's going downhill. <laughs> I'm going to give you diabetes and debt. <laughs> oh God, something broke downstairs. Anyways, I, I also found this grief quiz on psychcentral.com, which I will post the link to on this description of this podcast, which you take it and basically it lets you know, it's designed to give you an understanding whether you may be dealing with a complicated grief or a regular grief, which I thought was so funny. Like, isn't all grief complicated? 
I guarantee you at the end of this quiz, there's going to be some pill that they prescribe to you. Like, oh my God, you have complicated grief. You need Xanax and, and Valium, which doesn't sound so bad, but you guys know I don't really dig this pharmaceuticals. I, I prefer farm as opposed to pharmaceuticals. So uh, I'm going to take this th- this grief quiz, which has questions like, I can't help feeling angry about his or her death leaving me. Rarely, never, sometimes, often, very often, and always. I feel disbelief over what happened. Rarely, never, sometimes, often, very often, always. I mean, it's all these things. It's all the answers. It's every single one of the answers that's on here. And so I just thought it was interesting. Like, do you have complicated grief? You could be suffering from complicated grief. Take this quiz. So I'm going to take it. (laughs) I'll post the link to the quiz in the description because I just think it's funny you know, like just another way to stress over how you're grieving and if you're doing it right. You know, I just think I've realized that there are five more ways to help you, and it's helped me, experience grief. I think processing grief, yes, hopefully you process it. I think you can't process it without experiencing it. And I think experiencing grief is more important than focusing on the process of it. Because through the experience, you're in it. You're in the moment. You're allowing the emotions to flow through you. You are succumbing and relinquishing control to those emotions. So five ways to help you experience grief and it's simple. It's your five senses. This I just came up with myself today because I've been stoned and thinking about every possible angle of grief and how I can be healthy through this process. Use your five senses. That's such a great way to process grief. Sight, smell, sound, taste, and touch. The sight, me going into my mom's house and looking at all of her stuff. The smell, going through her old, you know, her perfumes or clothing, smelling the clothing. Holy shit. That's a tough one. When you get into the house and you sniff a shirt, bye. See ya. Sayonara. The allergies in this place. Am I right? Holy hell. Sound listening to see this is why I'm telling you there's something to this. I really believe using your senses to experience grief, to allow you to have a healthier process is going to truly be a game changer for me. You know, the sound of her. I haven't listened to her voice yet. I I haven't listened to voicemails because you know I save all my voicemails. I haven't listened to a podcast episode and I thought about pulling a couple of my favorite cuts of her for next week's episode. Touch, which is a tough one. They're gone. So what do you touch? And so I decided to grab some of my mom's stuff the second time I went to the house with my sister. You know, we wanted to decorate the house for Christmas. And so I got some of her stuff. This wreath behind me is hers. Nancy was a great decorator. Little Christmas bell. Touching their stuff, touching her stuff has made me feel connected to her. And by the way, she was a great decorator. Little side note for a cheap Christmas decor get a jar with a cute cork lid buy go to like a local you know um craft arts and craft store get bells like bells you would make into ornaments fill the jar with the bells and it's cute for your bathroom for next to your bed or to throw against a wall when you feel anger during all of the grief stages you can smash it against a wall there's so many multi-purposes for it 
Um, you know, taste, I guess taste could be a tough one. You can't really taste your dead one, your dead loved one, but you could taste food that they loved. You know, you could eat dishes that they loved. You could cook their dishes. My mom has a ton of recipes. So there's, there's a way to deal and experience the emotions through our five senses. So I wanted to share that with you guys and maybe there's something to it. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm in it. And it was really hard. You know, my sister and I, when we went to the house together, I knew she was going to have her own emotions with it. And my sister and I are very different people. We both have anxieties that we've inherited from our parents. Both of our parents are very high-functioning, highly anxious, and highly intelligent people. And when you're intelligent, the anxiety is a little bit more difficult because your anxiety, your brain gets pretty fucking creative. Like, well, there's a new one. Didn't think about that. Didn't think about thinking about us on a molecular level and how, you know, our cells are attacking each other. Like, it's just not that that is like some, you know, (laughs) academic way of describing intelligence, but we both have our own individual anxieties. I've, you know, found ways to process and manage mine on a different way that my sister has. And she, you know, admittingly... gets distractions to deal with her anxieties, which is not the healthiest way to do it, but it's it's a step in the direction of self-awareness, knowing that it's what you do. And being in that house with her was so hard. We broke down in every fucking room. We lost it in every fucking room of the house because my mom is everywhere in that house. Her smell is there. We could feel her there. Her clothing is hung just as she left it. Her jewelry's there just as she left it. Towels and clothing that was thrown over the laundry basket and papers left and dishes left a certain way. It's it's just as it's just as if they just fucking disappeared. When you go into the house of a loved one who's passed on, it's like they they're just around the corner. You you, you feel like they could just be in the other room like you you're you're trying to find them and you're you're following their scent and they're gone. It's really hard. It's very it's harrowing. It's truly one of the most lonely feelings I've had and I don't know how how single how how only child families do it. The children of you know their one child and both their parents are gone. I I can't. I don't know how I would do this without my sister. And she has said the same thing. Because she'd break down and I would console her and I'd break down and she'd just fucking leave me in the room. No, <laughs> she would console me and I I can't imagine doing this without her. And in a really beautiful way, it, us experiencing this grief simultaneously is a huge bonding experience. I mean, hello, she's my day drinking partner. Hi. I'm the one who encourages her to pop edibles. Like, I got kids. Exactly. That's why you should be taking edibles because you have children. There's no one here to judge you. And so being in that house with her for the first time in our lives without both of our parents alive, it's the most painful Brutal but beautiful experience ever. It's brutal. You guys know I think life is brutal. It's brutal because of the realization that our two creators, our home, our rocks, our mom and our dad are now gone. 
is a very brutal realization, but it's beautiful in knowing that everywhere now, that's what I believe. I believe our energy just goes into everything after we're gone. And I'm, I have a couple submissions for people last week. I asked what you guys think, where we go when we die, which I'm going to keep that the question. Please continue to send your submissions, Jesse May Peluso comedy at gmail.com. Where do you think we go when we die? I want to hear your family's folklore. I want to hear your culture's idea. I want to hear, you know, your own personal opinion. Where do we go when we die? I think we go everywhere. I think we become a part of all of the things that surround the people we love. And so much of that is in my mom's belongings in her house. Like she's just felt, my sister kept saying like, she's, this is all, it's just her. All of this stuff is her. And it, that made it just as equally difficult to take it. Like taking her things from her house felt wrong, but we couldn't not do it because it also connected us to her. So that's why, you know, we took a couple Christmas ornaments to bring with us to decorate. And we also found notes. My mom wrote all the time. And that's why I think writing things that your loved ones say down in a journal for somebody else to discover is, it's like a time capsule treasure. I'm going to read you a couple things that I found at my mom's house. And then I'm going to read you this really amazing quote that I found, you know, in my Googling of grief that put it into perspective where we go when we die. So this is one thing my mom wrote. Great handwriting. Five ways to cope with uncertainty. Fixate, focus, then learn. It's like my mom and I were the same person. Meditation and therapy and yoga. That's that's like six so far, mom. Oh, I see. So fixate. So these are five things. I'm driving her nuts right now because I am fixating on the fact that there's not really five. There's like three, which in each of the five, which is more like three times five, three times five, which my mom could handle because she's better at math than I am, which is 18 or something. Whatever. Five ways to cope with uncertainty. One, fixate, focus, and then learn. Perfect. It's like obsessing over whatever the thing is and then focusing on the thing and then learning from it. I'm here for that. Two, meditation, therapy, and yoga. Check. Got that. I mean, this is really is five ways to cope with death, which really is the most uncertain thing in our life. So essentially, my mother just left her ways to cope with grief and didn't realize that she was writing it. Three, ignore the voice in your head. Well, that's a tough one because she's a loud bitch and she wants to be heard. Four, embrace the chaos. That's beautiful. I think you really have to embrace the chaos. If you look at the nature of things and the order of things, the very root of their creation existence is chaos. Nature itself is chaos. So the more you embrace it because you can't change it because chaos is just on its own path, forever changing and undulating, you have to just embrace it. It's always going to be there. Just like there's kids yelling in the background. I'm embracing it. I am in a chaotic household. There are two toddlers here. One going on 45. Elliot. It's like he's a some deep 
Renaissance poet. He says things that just stab you right in your heart. The other night he said to my brother-in-law, I hope I have a happy life. He's four. Already he's the dude from It's a Wonderful Life worrying about if his is going to be happy. Oh my God. Five. Do something that makes you happy. Don't wait and worry. My mother is really prolific. Very intelligent woman. I have to read through these straight without all of my interjections so you guys get it. Five ways to cope with uncertainty. One, fixate, focus, and learn. Can you hear the screaming in the background? Two, meditation, therapy, and yoga. (laughs) Three, ignore the voice in your head or the one screaming down the hall. Four, embrace the chaos. (laughs) Five, do something that makes you happy. Don't wait. Oh my God. It's really just... You can't hear it probably because I have a really good microphone, but there's just complete chaos going on in my sister's house. I think that finding ways that work for you to experience the grief is the most important thing. Shopping through your sadness or drinking through your disbelief. Um, Finding a way to really be in those emotions. I've been meditating. I'm going to post the meditation link. I'm going to post the grief quiz link. Also the link to this next thing that I found that just fucking floored me. It's called the eulogy from, let's see, a eulogy by a physicist um, written by Aaron Freeman, who I'm assuming is a physicist. And this was sent to me by the guys who own the van build-out company, Boho, that Tom Green talked about on his uh, podcast episode with Joe Rogan, which made me privy to them and sounds like a great experience. So I'm going to be talking to them about building out a van for me to travel around in. Not that I'm going to be living in a van down by the river, but let's be real, like that sounds like a great existence right now in this crazy chaotic world. But him and I were emailing and I told him about what I've been going through and he sent me the link to this. That's another thing where I've spoke about on the podcast, why it's important to just express yourself and the more vulnerable you are, the more gifts come your way. Because I was vulnerable in this email, this man sent me this link to this beautiful eulogy that honestly gave me such peace. I was able to get that gift. Vulnerability delivers you the most beautiful gifts in life if you are open to it. So I'm going to gift it to you. I will also post the link. But I think it honestly sums up and really sums up how I feel about death and also gave me some peace in knowing and believing what happens beyond this physical life. You want a physicist to speak at your funeral. You want the physicist to talk to your grieving family about the conservation of energy so they will understand that your energy has not died. You want the physicist to remind your sobbing mother about the first law of therodynamics, that no energy gets created in the universe and none is destroyed. You want your mother to know that all your energy, every vibration, every BTU of heat, every wave of every particle that was her beloved child remains with her in this world. 
You want the physicist to tell your weeping father that amid energies of the cosmos, you gave it as good as you got. And at one point, you'd hope that the physicist would step down from the pulpit to walk to your broken-hearted spouse there in the pew and tell him that all of the photons that ever bounced off of your face, all of the particles whose paths were interrupted by your smile, by the touch of your hair, hundreds of trillions of particles, have raced off like children, their ways forever changed by you. And as your widow rocks in the arms of a loving family, May the physicist let her know that all the photons that bounced from you were gathered in the particle detectors that are her eyes, that those photons created within her constellations of electromagnetically charged neurons whose energy will go on forever. And the physicist will remind the congregation of how much of all of our energy is given off as heat. There may be a few fanning themselves with their programs as he says it, And he will tell them that the warmth that flowed through you in life is still there, still a part of all that we are, even as who we mourn continue to heat of our own lives. And you will want the physicist to explain to those who loved you that they need not have faith. Indeed, they should not have faith. Let them know that they can measure, that scientists have measured precisely the conservation of energy and found it accurate verifiable, and consistent across space and time. You can hope your family will examine the evidence and satisfy themselves that science is sound and that they'll be comforted knowing to know your energy's still around. According to the law of the conservation of energy, not a bit of you is gone. You're just less orderly. Wow. It's just... Right? (laughs) Right? It's deep as fuck. It's just a beautiful idea to think that our energy is still here. It's just less orderly. And that's truly what I believe. I can feel my mom everywhere now. And although I'm searching and dying for signs, like a sign that makes sense in my physical experience, I have to be open to signs that will show up in a way that I never imagined. And the only way to do that is to have an open heart and to have faith and to know that what I'm going through is just another process of love. Grief is just another way of love reaching you. And as painful as it is, I'm so fortunate. And my sister and I both have said, we're so fortunate to have had the relationship we had with our parents to miss them this much to be able to have memories beautiful memories a lifetime of them I wake up grateful for that I wake up grateful that my my mother and I write shit down that we cherish stuff gives a shit if I have tchotchkes yeah I have tchotchkes and Someone I love will have them one day too. And the more we talk, the more we share, the more we're vulnerable, the more we step out on an emotional limb and bear our soul, the more gifts we receive. And the more Amazon gifts are purchased. (laughs) The more money Amazon receives. There's so much I want to say 
in this series, this grief survival guide. And I know it can be a lot and I'm going to have guests to break away from me just having this stream of conscious because I know it's probably heavy. I appreciate your listenership and your support, but I honestly think this is my only way to experience this is to document it because this time around it's so different my I grieved my father while he was alive I lost a piece of him every single day right in front of my eyes my sister and I had to grieve him while he was alive because that's the nature of Alzheimer's they slowly get stripped away so in a sense we were able to grieve him slower and it felt less blunt than this experience this time around with my mother it feels like a deeper type of grief a because it's my mother and I'm a girl and my connection to her I came from her breach birth booty first hey I feel the loss in a different way and I really am swimming in a lot of sadness but also still in shock Thank God for wine, weed, and Amazon and small businesses. Truly helping this bitch stay afloat. I I don't know if I told you guys, I have this teddy bear that I've had. My dad gave me when I was like eight or nine. I've had it forever and I brought it with me on this trip. And I had it on the bed and my nephew Elliot asked me why I have a teddy bear if I'm a grown up. And I said, well, even though I'm grown up, I can still be a kid at heart. Do you know what that means? He said, yeah. It means you're older, but you still have fun. And I was like, yeah. And then he looked right at me and he said, you must, you, you must have had so much fun with him. Talking about my dad. He said, you guys must have had so much fun. And I cried like a fucking child right in front of him. That kid, I swear to God, is like some sort of 18th century poet breaking hearts around this house. He must have gotten it from my mom. She was a good writer. She was very expressive. And I can feel her. I really can. Differently than my dad. Um, But in searching through her house, we found this. That I think she must have found and liked how it sounded. And it's so crazy that my sister and I found it the day we went to her house. And, you know, we had gone to the funeral home and we were looking at those little prayer cards that you put a prayer on and a photo, but my mother wasn't really religious. We went to church when we were a kid, but that stopped when Steve moved in the house. When the neighbor's dad moved in, we lost God too. No offense, Steve. Um, You're doing great. We love you. I and my sister, neither of us wanted something religious. So we didn't make a decision on the prayer card in that moment because we just were like, well, let's maybe find a photo of her or a photo she loves and write something ourselves. We don't need like, St. Christopher praising thee. No offense to those who appreciate that sort of thing. just doesn't work for us. So we found this. And my mother wrote it. She might have found it. I'm not saying she wrote it, wrote it, but she wrote it on a piece of paper. And it says, don't cry for me. I am not gone. My soul is at rest. My heart lives on. Light a candle for me to see and hold on to my memory. Save your tears, for I am still here by your side through all the years. (laughs) Are you crying now? 
is a bitch. Oh, right? It's such a fucking bitch. What a beautiful bitch. I can't believe this. So my sister and I are like, well, we found our prayer card. Fucking Nancy already had it set up. She was so organized. She knew. She knew we'd find this shit. And $69, which was weird, Nancy. Emily put that shit in her pocket for whatever, you know, matching cups she's going to buy off of Amazon.com tonight. I think the most important thing is you do what works for you. That's what I've been preaching this whole mini-series. But try the five senses trick. Not a trick, but method. (laughs) The sight, smell, sound, touch, and taste. And incorporate that into your grieving experience as you see fit. Journal your thoughts. Write down things that your loved ones say so that you can eternalize them. Grab their things. Make your own little cute ornaments. Bring them with you. There's ways to bring your loved ones with you through the grieving experience and it'll help you. And when in doubt, go to Amazon.com. Smoke a blunt, have a glass of wine, and Jeff Bezos, thank me later. You guys are delightful. Thank you for your support during this guide and I hope it helps you. And before we go, I wanted to read to you the submission for where we go when we die, which is still the question that I'm asking. So if you want to submit a question, the answer to what you think the answer is to that to be read on the podcast, you can do that at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. And I'll pick out a couple of my favorites. This is from Stacy Antimony. What I think happens when someone dies. I'm currently listening to your podcast episode, Grief Survival Guide Part 2, and wanted to share my thoughts with you on what I think happens after we die. First off, I want to say I'm so sorry about your mother's death. Thanks, girl. It's brutal. I don't know if you've been listening to this one. Hopefully you are. Thank God for wine. Wine, wine, wine. For some time, um, I wanted to say, especially in the last last eight months, you've been such a source of inspiration, joy, and entertainment for me. I've seen the deep love between you and your mom just by the photos and videos you've always shared of you two. The deeper we love, the harder the losses. Girl, if that's not true, I don't know what is. My coochie hurts from this shit, which just makes the entire situation beautiful and extremely difficult at the same time. Obviously, I have not died in this life yet, so I have no idea what happens. But this is what I think based on gut feelings, personal beliefs, my best friend's death, mushrooms, <laughs> and thinking and reading. I believe in reincarnation. I believe that after we die, some point we're reincarnated into another life. There are lessons to learn, other souls we are supposed to meet, and so on. That doesn't mean it'll always get fulfilled, though, and maybe probably aren't even guaranteed to be human again. But I think in time in between the, this life and our next the in between could be a really long time like perhaps it's hard for us to even compute it because we just know human time and it, this is in a spiritual world girl you're stoned that mushroom kicked in right you smoked a blunt and then sent me this text message <laughs> this email i also believe in energy yes i know you do too because you talk a lot about it i watched a youtube video a long time ago called ask a physicist to speak at your funeral I mean, what? I just fucking read that. I have chills. 
which gives a great perspective on why scientifically we are still here after we die. But in it, they reinstate the idea that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So it just makes me realize that because the body of a loved one is not here anymore, the energy that was them is just redistributed. Are you guys freaking the fuck out like I am? I haven't even read this yet. I saved it to read with you guys on the podcast. And I just read you Ask a Physicist to Read at Your Funeral, The Eulogy of a Physicist by Aaron Freeman. And I'm freaking out. So I believe after we die, in a way, our soul, our energy is in many pieces like atoms. Some of it stays on earth within the people that loved us and also in the earth's energy. That's why we're able to get signs and connect with those that have passed because our energy is a part of the earth. So they're already everywhere. This is freaking me out. We just need to pay attention. And then the rest of the stole goes forward into the spiritual world onto its next path. I'm very stoned. <laughs> she said this, but I also am. But I hope you were able to understand my thoughts clearly. And I'm hoping that maybe it helped in some weird way or some small way. Girl, it's a huge way. This is a sign. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. Thank you for creating laughter because it's one of the most healing medicines. So please continue to laugh at your own jokes. Yes. Take that guy who left that shitty review years ago. And uh, it makes me laugh and so happy every damn time. If you so happen to read my novel on the podcast, please do not mention my name. <laughs> Sorry, girl. I did. Thanks, Stacy. See, maybe I should have pre-read this, but now you're going to have people know who you are. So, and I think it's a good thing because that honestly was freaky and just telling that we're all connected in some weird way. And I hope that this podcast can help you connect with your loved ones and the loved ones that have gone on, but more importantly, the ones that are still with you so that you can find a way posthumously to connect with them through notes, through their fucking ornaments, through their perfume, or their favorite freaking pasta fajoul, whatever it is. I hope this podcast helps you connect with the people you love. Stay true, stay lit, don't be an asshole. Oh, my don't be an asshole hoodies are available on my store, jessiemay.com. Go to the store. Don't be an asshole. Hoodie is now available, thankfully and appreciatively, from one of my fans who suggested I put that on a pod on a on a hoodie. And now I'm telling you about it on the podcast. Don't be an asshole. And just in in thinking about that sentence, if somebody is acting like an asshole, they could have just lost somebody. So cut them some slack, but also don't be an asshole. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week or not. I don't know how I'm going to feel. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.